Well, it is still Christmas until January 5th, so we still have our Christmas trees up, and we are delighted to have you here worshiping with you, worshiping with us this morning. If you are new here to see our grace, we want to say welcome, and um, you came on a day where you might have noticed you got homework. Not only that, but it's scary-looking homework called the annual examine. It's like, it sounds like going to the doctor's office. I'm going to unpack this in a little bit, and I assure you it is a lot more fun than going to the doctor's office. Um, But this morning we are going to preach on remembrance. So is anyone here bold enough to admit that you still do New Year's resolutions? All right, there's like five of us. All right. I'm still one of them. Um, This is the time where we often... Start looking forward to what's coming in the next year. Whether we do resolutions or not, we start thinking about what does 2020 hold for us. And New Year's resolutions has kind of gone through these phases where everyone did them. And then like, if you're anything like me, you failed at them a couple weeks in. And then the next year you try again and the same thing happens. This became so common that it became really popular to make fun of New Year's resolutions. Everybody for a long time has made fun of resolutions, including myself. But there is something powerful in New Year's resolutions. They communicate this underlying desire that we want to grow as people. And our New Year's resolutions can be a really good thing. Uh, There's bad resolutions, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we've all made some bad resolutions or less than ones that just can be idols. But for the most part... As Christ followers, our resolutions are usually pretty good. I want to read the Bible more. Perhaps you want to be more patient with your spouse or your children or your family. No one's going to argue with that. Don's saying he doesn't want that. Other people might, though, want to be more patient with those around them. Um, And as I'm talking this morning, if you didn't get a copy of the annual exam, I'm going to have Rachel pass them out so you can just raise your hand as she's coming by. But our New Year's resolutions communicate that we have this desire to grow. Perhaps we want to read the Bible more. We have this desire underneath all of this that we want to encounter Christ in such a way that it changes us. And this is what's behind, for at least Christ followers, New Year's resolutions. But even if you don't make New Year's resolutions, there's something about the turn of the year that gets us thinking. What do we anticipate in the coming year? What do you and I hope for? Perhaps we compare it to the previous year, the way that people talk about a bottle of wine. Oh, 2019, that that was a good year. Or 2019, eh, that wasn't so good. I can't wait to start over in 2020. So as we look forward to the new year, this morning we are actually going to do something different, and we are going to look backwards. So I'm going to talk about this idea of remembrance, and then I'm going to invite Rachel up, and we're going to talk about this practice called the annual exam that you have in your hands. So if you have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Psalm 103, and as you do, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your continual presence with us. 
that in each and every moment and each and every experience of our lives, you are there with us, working within us, walking alongside of us, revealing your infinite love for us and drawing us closer to you. This morning as we come to your word, we pray that you would open our eyes that we would see you. Open our ears that we would hear you speaking to us. And open our hearts that we would invite you in, that we would be transformed more and more into your image. It's in your holy and righteous name we pray. Amen. I'm not going to preach on this whole psalm, but I am going to read it because it is just a phenomenal psalm. Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. And he does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed his transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The psalm is a wonderful litany of all the things that you and I are invited to praise the Lord for. Even through its form, he is communicating the comprehensiveness of what God has done in the depths of his love. The psalm begins and ends with, Bless the Lord, O my soul, this call to praise him for what God has done. It's 22 verses, the same number as the Hebrew alphabet, communicating that from A to Z, God is faithful to us. And he uses this word that we've talked about all through our Advent series, said, steadfast love. He uses this four times within this psalm to reinforce over and over again as we look backwards what God has done for each of us. But here in verse 2 is this crucial verse to me. It says, forget not all his benefits. Remember all the things that the Lord has done for you. He invites us to step into this love. He invites us to encounter the amazing depths of God's love by this act of remembrance. Forgiveness is found in him. 
Eugene Peterson translates it, He forgives your sin, every single one. He heals your diseases, every single one. Redemption, strength, unending love. We know all of these to be true in God, but the psalmist is alerting us to this profound reality that is in our remembrance or recognition of them that we actually fully enter into these. You and I live in a very forward-looking society. Uh, we are always talking about, or at least imagine, how the grass is greener on the other side. There's been wonderful songs written about this, um, and we say that phrase quite a bit. Well, the grass isn't actually greener on the other side. But it's said so often because somewhere in our hearts we believe this, and we're constantly looking for it. And this is a really good quality to have, that we are looking forward in hope for what God is going to do, both in this lifetime, but especially throughout eternity. But the psalmist here wants us to look backwards, and he wants us to do this because of something that you see all throughout scriptures, is that we have this profound ability to forget. All throughout Deuteronomy, as the law is being given, God says this phrase, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, unless they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. And this this phrase, forget not or remember what the Lord has done, is just peppered all throughout Deuteronomy, all throughout the prophets, all the way into the New Testament, because he knows that we have this amazing ability to forget. I was actually reading somewhere that... Perhaps the biggest sin that ancient Israel committed was the sin of forgetting. He summed up all the waywardness, all the wanderings of the Israelites in this act of forgetting. Forgetting who God was, forgetting who God said they were, forgetting what he had done, forgetting their identity and his presence with them. This was an amazing exposition on remembrance. Ironically, I forgot where I read it, so I couldn't, I couldn't find it again. I searched and I searched. But as we look at the word has said, as we've mentioned in this Advent series, the steadfast or this faithful love of God, it is future-oriented. It gives us hope for what is coming, but only because of its rootedness in the past. And the past has a profound place in shaping who we are and how we step into what God has called us into. Neuroscientist Kurt Thompson says the ancients knew that we remember that what we remember profoundly affects our relationships with everything around us. Not only with living creatures, but the physical universe as well. So much of the life each one of us lives, in fact, is one that is remembered. So much of our lives that we live is actually through our memory. In this sense, part of working out your salvation includes paying attention to how the act of remembering the past simultaneously creates the future in your mind. Henry Nouwen has this wonderful, wonderful passage about what this looks like that has just stuck with me. I, I was actually encountered this at, a, at the Stephen Leaders training two years ago, and this quote has stuck with me for such a long time. He says, Our memory plays a central role in our sense of being. Our pains, our joys, our feelings of grief and satisfaction are not simply dependent on the events of our lives, but also, and even more so, on the ways we remember these events. Everything we experience has something to do with our memory. The events of our lives are probably less important than the form they take in the totality of our story. 
Different people remember a similar illness, accident, a success, or surprise in very different ways, and much of their sense of self derives less from what happened than from how they remember what happened. How they have placed the past events into their own personal history. It's not surprising, therefore, that most of our human emotions are closely related to our memory. Remorse is a biting memory. Guilt is an accusing memory. Gratitude is a joyful memory. And all such emotions are deeply influenced by the way we have integrated past events into our way of being in the world. In fact, we perceive our world with our memories, and they help us see and understand the new impressions and give us place to our richly varied life experiences. Our memory, our identity is rooted in our memory. How we remember, not just what has happened, but how we experience what happened, what we felt, but especially how we sense the Lord working in what has happened. Eugene Peterson says that if we don't remember this, we are bereft of the richest dimensions of our being. If we forget the benefits of what God has done, we are bereft of the richest dimensions available to us as humans. And so this is why, as we look forward in the hope of growing in Christ, remembering is very, very important. Certainly just as important as looking forward, remembering plays a crucial role in developing and anchoring our identity in Christ. So this morning, what we're going to do is we are going to look at a specific practice that Rachel and I have found very powerful over the last few years. We've handed this out to a couple of our friends, and we have received great feedback. A small group that I'm a part of went through this together last year, and uh, we know of one couple that goes up to Napa over the new year and fills this out and talks about it together. So I'm going to invite my wife Rachel up to help unpack this. Um, most of you know Rachel, but if you don't, this is my wife. And if you've been around Sierra Grace for a while, you have heard the stories of the time she worked at Caleb. You got to hear all the wonderful stories of people that would call in with some of the most amazing, some of the most mundane, and some of the weirdest prayer requests you could ever imagine. Uh, I miss those stories. She hasn't been at Caleb for a year and a half, so I do miss those stories, but I'm very glad that she has moved into a new season. So welcome up here. And instead of me saying what you are up to now, why don't you tell us a little bit about what has happened since you moved on from Caleb? So I, I left my job at Caleb April of last year, 2018, um, to start uh, and launch a spiritual formation ministry called Curate. And it's really um, an opportunity to, to care for people who are serving in ministry roles. Um, it's a soul care uh, ministry. And part of it is also to create resources for deeper life in Christ. We lead retreats. Um, and then I'm also a spiritual director, um, which means that I just get to sit across from people um, as they share what's happening in their own prayer lives and what God's up to in their lives. Um, and I just prayerfully discern alongside of them and, and help them to uh, discern what God is, is doing. So that's what I'm doing. Now tell us a little bit about the annual examine. What is it? So the examine, I know it's spelled weird. <laughs> 
some, it might have thrown some of you off, but that's actually the Latin word. Um, and it's based on a prayer that was created for daily practice by Ignatius of Loyola, like, I don't know, five or six hundred years ago. Um, and it's been around for a long time. Uh, followers of Jesus have been doing the daily examine for a while. Um, but we stumbled upon an annual version of this prayer um, through a guy named Stephen Smith. Uh, he started a um, kind of a, a similar ministry to ours called the Potter's Inn, and it's just outside of Colorado Springs. It's a retreat center um, that was designed to care for pastors, missionaries, um, other folks who were serving in ministry. And we went up there for a retreat when we were in seminary, and that place became really special to us. It's where we got engaged. Um, you can ask us about that story another time. But um, so. Practices like this have always been really meaningful to Brian and I. Um, And this is a way of reflecting not just on our days, but on our entire year, 12 months, and to look back and remember um, what God's done. It's it's an actual practical act of remembrance, not just a theoretical one. I mean, I think sometimes we hear in sermons a lot of great theoretical (laughs) thoughts, and then how do we actually enact this? How do we practice our faith in these ways? And so... The examine is, is just one very helpful way of actively remembering, actively putting Psalm 103 into practice. Um, and as you look through it, we'll go through it in a little bit and look at the different pieces. Um, but it's been something that Brian and I have done for the last couple of years that we've shared with other friends, and it's been very helpful. Looking back over the last 12 months can be a pretty intimidating task. It is a long time, and a lot usually happens within a year. Um, if you're anything like me, you might get to this season, where did that year go? It's already almost 2020. We've said that probably five or six times over the last couple weeks. And time seems to feel like, at least, that it's accelerating. And so to have some specific concrete practice that walks you through the last year has been something that has made it a little less intimidating. Tell us how your practice of doing this over the last couple years has benefited you personally. I think there are three specific things I want to touch on. Um, The first is that doing something like the annual examine has helped me to be more reflective um, in my remembering. Um, I think we we live in a culture that doesn't necessarily value reflection. (laughs) We value productivity and doing and being busy and moving on to the next thing. Um, Like you were talking about, we're forward-looking. Um, and so actually taking the time to, to sit back and reflect backwards on, on said, on God's loving kindness and his faithfulness, um, I think it's a shame that we don't value that enough, that we don't value pausing and giving time to this kind of practice. And so um, the annual exam has helped me to value that kind of deep reflection. Um, and I think it's also, secondly, it's, um, it's helped me to notice God's presence and actually discern what his voice sounds like. Um, And I think that, um, at least for me, we think back on our years, usually in kind of those peaks and valleys, those mountaintop experiences or those low, painful experiences. Um, But most of our lives is in that in-between, right? Um, Our day-to-day moments. And God is just his present in the day-to-day mundane 
stuff of life as he is in the peaks and in the valleys. And so this kind of reflective exercise helps me to actually notice God's presence in those spaces as well. I think that God has something really special for us in the day-to-day moments. And I also am of the conviction that God is always, always speaking to us. Um, He's never not speaking to us. Um, Sometimes he seems a little more distant or quiet. I think he speaks in silence often. Um, And it, it takes some practice to actually learn how to listen to his voice. And so this is something that helps me to do that. Um, And then lastly, this has been a practice that's developed sincere gratitude um, within me. I think as I'm looking and I can see backwards, um, I start to notice the way that the Lord has been at work in bigger ways that I wouldn't have seen when I'm in the midst of that moment. Um, And it's also strengthened my faith and given me a foundation of hope looking forward. Um, That remembrance of God's faithfulness, I think, is so important um, so that we can carry that forward. When we're walking through um, a valley experience, we know that God's faithful, that he'll care for us and be present to us. Practicing this for me has been a place to notice not just what happened, which may come easier to me, uh, but more importantly, to notice how God was working through that, that everything started becoming fair game for God to work within me, that it wasn't just going to church, it wasn't just these practices of reading scripture or um, praying that God was at work, but that actually he might have been more at work and more active in all the times where I went about the rest of my day and to slow down and to notice that that it wasn't my walk with God wasn't confined to this specific time in the mornings where I did these specific things and then I just go about my day but that he was there present and active all throughout doing some incredible things I may not have noticed had I not slowed down and reflected and then as Rachel said it's led to a profound sense of gratitude as you look back and say oh wow God really was there in the midst of that. Uh, Kind of like Jacob, God surely was in this place, but I didn't know it. Uh, And to actually recognize that and to give that back to God in gratitude has been a life-transforming practice. We've given this, as we stumbled onto this, we've sent it out to some of our friends around Sierra Grace and some ministries around here, small groups. What have you heard from other people as far as feedback of how they've benefited from this? For for those of us who are married, it's really fun to do with your spouse, um, to fill out the whole thing and then come together and, and process together and notice um, things that were significant in each other's lives and how God's at work in our marriages and our families. Um, and it's also, uh, I think it's been a place where um, people have recognized God's presence in places that maybe they would have missed otherwise had they not done this practice. Um, it helped to shed light on um, God's nearness. Um, and then it, it's something that feels a little different and kind of fresh. It's not, like you were talking about, it's not a New Year's resolution kind of um, practice. It's really helping us to, to become aware of God's faithfulness. Um, and so that's how it's been helpful, I think. You can ask some, some friends of ours. I think Ann and Jeremy Beaumont and John and Kim and a few others have done it, so. You mentioned sharing it with others. Uh, 
what is significant about sharing it with either your spouse or a friend or your family and inviting them into that? I, you, uh, you mentioned Kurt Thompson uh, in one of your quotes. He wrote this book called Anatomy of the Soul, and I think you've actually shared this in previous sermons, but um, he writes about, he's a, a psychologist, and he writes about how actually sharing our memories uh, can be a healing experience. When we're sharing something that's deeply personal uh, or even traumatic or painful with a trusted person in a trusted space, um, something happens in our brains and new neural pathways are actually formed. Um, and so actual physical healing can happen with our memories. Um, and then just those quotes that you shared from Henry Nouwen, from Eugene Peterson, about how our memories are, are really shaping us in our lives and moving forward, that it's not so much what happened as it is how we remember it. Um, and so the act of actually sharing it out loud with someone um, can help reshape and reform those memories in a healing and, and positive way, um, a way for God's faithfulness to kind of break in and, and be present to us. We've also noticed that sharing it with someone else not only solidifies it, it's one thing to think about something, another thing to write about it, but to actually share it with another human being solidifies and takes you deeper into that experience. And sometimes in the process of that, especially for external processors, uh, you start you start realizing more things. All of a sudden, a light bulb clicks. On. Oh, I didn't even see that until I said this to you. Oh, wow. Or perhaps they notice and then it takes us deeper into community, um, whether it is with a small group, whether it is with a friend. Rachel and I have had a blast sharing this week with each other and just noticing and celebrating how God has been at work in both of our lives together, but also in ways that are separate and that we get the joy of celebrating that with each other. Something about being listened to um, opens up things that um, may have lain dormant otherwise. So. It's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. All right, walk us through this real fast. <laughs> yeah, so what if you look, is this? If you look at your handout, um, so it's going to follow the traditional daily prayer of examine, which is at the end of your handout. Um, so again, that practice that Ignatius created 500-something years ago. Um, and so it's going to follow four movements, the first being gratitude. Um, So in your handout, you'll have a little introduction and some helpful tips. I will say, if you sit down and you do this, uh, make sure that you give enough time to this. This isn't one of those practices you can do in like 15 minutes. This will take you a couple hours. Um, And I found it helpful to just kind of do it in different stages um, because most of us don't have a spare two or three hours in our days. Um, And so you can take a week or two to work through it. Um, And... So the first, the first stage, the first movement is gratitude, um, which I think is an important way to begin any kind of prayerful practice. Um, and just to think back on the year and, um, and just think of all the things that 2019 has brought you that you're grateful for. And it can be anything. Whatever comes to mind, write it down. Um, and then the next uh, movement is illumination. And this is where you just ask the Holy Spirit to shed light on significant moments or um, significant experiences that happen throughout your year, Um, things maybe that you forgot about that he wants you to remember. Um, It helps sometimes if you 
use your calendar, your journal, if you need to kind of jog your memory. But sometimes those things can become distracting. So you can set it aside and just trust that the Holy Spirit will actually do uh, his work and help you to remember what he wants you to remember. Um, and then the section that takes the longest is review. And so this is going to... Um, take you through the different parts of our lives. Um, It has, I think, eight categories. There's a a general category of questions, questions about our physical selves, our bodies, our health, um, questions about our emotional health, our mental uh, and and thoughts, um, kind of part of ourselves, our relationships, uh, our resources, our spirits, um, all those kinds of of things. Did I say vocational, our jobs uh, as well? Um, And so it'll have just some helpful questions to help you dig a little deeper um, into these different parts of our lives and how God has been at work throughout our years. Um, And then the last part is forgiveness and renewal. And that's just a place for uh, repentance, a place where we can ask the Lord to bring forgiveness to us for things that uh, we need forgiveness for um, as we reflect on the last year. And then looking forward, um, ways that you can prayerfully be more attentive and intentional about noticing God's presence in the coming year. And then the invitation to share it with someone um, and to sit down over a cup of coffee or a meal and to actually talk about the things that you notice, um, the threads and the, and the common themes that God has been weaving and, and working out um, in your past year. All right. I don't think I have anything else to add to that. Uh. Mostly just go home and do it. Uh, now, I do want to remind you as you walked in, this is not homework. Even though it says examine, you won't be quizzed on this, we promise. Uh, we just found this to be a very powerful resource uh, for us to walk through this together. And as we just shared that with a couple friends, the unsolicited feedback we got was so positive. It's like, let's let's give this a try with us as a body, as a whole. So if this is something that is helpful to you, um, we encourage you to do it and enjoy it and have fun with it together. You may not answer every single question, and that is okay. Uh, but give this a try with family or friends or a spouse. And if it's not helpful to you, uh, come back next week, and we will be starting a series on Mark. But we do... We do trust that this will be a very helpful experience, and we do encourage you not just to fill this out, but share it with someone else, whether it is your small group, whether it is your spouse. You can reshape these questions, or you can do this in just a group format with your whole family asking your children these questions. You can go out to coffee with a friend. You can do all of the above. Uh, And it is a busy season, but if you can find the time to engage in this, I think that the benefits will be um, quite incredible and that you will really enjoy it as we have. So uh, I want to close with this thought from, we've mentioned Kurt Thompson a couple times. The name of the book, since we've been talking about it, is Anatomy of the Soul, and it's his unpacking from a psychologist's perspective Romans 12, 1 and 2, of being transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this book has been so profound to Rachel and I over the last couple of years that we can't recommend it highly enough. But um, if you are looking for another book to read, I, I would wholeheartedly recommend that one. But he says this, when we remember all the benefits of the Lord, when we remember these things, his forgiveness his healing, his redeeming, crowning, satisfying, and renewing. 
and the fullness of our regenerated memories, our future and the future of our children and those around us with whom we are in relationship will be forever changed. This morning as we close out, bow your heads with me and just take a moment and reflect on one or two things that you are grateful for in this last year that the Lord did. Lord Jesus, as we close out this year, we look back on 2019 with profound gratitude for all the ways that you've shown yourself faithful to us. Pray that over the next few days you would give us a chance and we would take that opportunity to reflect on everything that you've done and all the wonderful work you're doing in each one of our lives and within us as a community. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would we recognize those things? We celebrate those things. Would we invite you into the pain and the hardships that we've experienced in 2019? Would we be able to offer it all up to you in gratitude for the glory and praise of your name? Amen.